Last time on In Vain. Been wanting to say something, and he just interrupts you and says, Elsa, I know what you are. What? And I know what Dallas is. And drinks everything down, every last drop. And he stops and he closes his eyes, and it's like he's listening to something or, or maybe tasting something. And then his eyes open, and he looks at you, and he nods. Says, oh, I kind of had a feeling you'd be Clan Bruja. Hi, everybody. This is Tessa, your RPG mom. And uh, this is a slightly altered version of uh, this episode of In Vain because of editor error, which may or may not have been me. But so we're going to uh, reenact this episode for you guys in a semi-scripted fashion because Chad and uh, Shiny are very gracious to me and did not make me feel like poop for doing that, so. There will be a price to pay later, though. I owe a boon to somebody in the city. I'm sure of it now. Right. The, our house our houses will remember this for generations to come. Right, and my name is Chad. I'm the storyteller. You can find me at Chadlicious on Twitter. Oh, yeah, you can find me at Sulky Dreams on Twitter. I forgot that information. Hi, guys. You guys already know me. Um, I'm kind of sick at the moment, so Elsa's going to sound like a smoker for this episode. Uh, I hope you guys don't mind that. I'm really sorry. Uh, I promise I will get better in the future. Um, you can find me on Shiny Kiwi at Twitter, and you can find my Twitch handle, Introverts Guild, in the profile. So... I hope you guys enjoy this episode. <laughs> oh, and something we've been neglecting is that the show itself has its own Twitter uh, at, yes, in underscore vein underscore podcast. You should go check it out. Yes. Really check it out. Yeah, we've been dilly-dallying on that. Well, the machinations of the immortals take generations to come to fruition. So we're, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. All right, so let's get started. So the last night, uh, Dallas and Elsa had gone their separate ways after Elysium and engaged in some nocturnal activities that will probably not have any consequences in the future. Nothing to write home about. Nope, not. Yeah, nothing happened. It was totally, uh, you know, normal. Right. And so the two of you uh, wake up as the sun sets inside the club. And this is the night where uh, Werner Strauss, the Bruja Primogen, was going to send a car for you and give you a little education on the traditions. But you're not quite sure when they're going to show up. Right. So the most important thing is just to be prepared. Elsa does that by putting new makeup on. Dallas does that by just putting on clean show clothes and taking a shower. We have very different levels of prep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Elsa takes a shower too. I just, I just thought that was obvious. I didn't think I'd have to. Yeah, Elsa's high maintenance and Dallas is more wash and wear. Yeah. All right. So other than preparing yourselves, prettying yourselves up and getting ready, is there anything that you would like to discuss or talk to each other about before the car comes? No, everything was fine. No, mm -mm. are you are you sure? Because you look a little tired. If you were still alive, mm, you know it's a vampire. I mean, we're both really pale, and you know, it happens. You you look like the vampire vampire version of tired. Yeah. Uh, no, never mind. No. I woke up on the wrong side of the coffin. It's okay. All right, so as you finish getting ready, a car pulls up in front of the club, and, uh, well, there's a knock at the door as the driver is waiting for you. I'll grab it. Okay, and Dallas, you answer the door, and you see a, a man standing there dressed not not like a like chauffeur get-up, but dressed kind of nicely, like nice suit. You know, it takes pride in his appearance. And he looks at you and says, so uh, I am here to take you to see uh, Master Werner. If you and your uh, coterie mate will get in the car. Um, yes, thank you. Uh, Elsa, right this way. Okay. And then um, 
Elsa's going to grab her notebook and backpack and uh, go out the door with Dallas. Okay. And so the driver holds the back door open for the two of you. You get in, closes the door, gets in the driver's side, and quickly takes you elsewhere. As the car drives for a few minutes, uh, it's easy to figure out that he is taking you to the Philosophenvang, also known as the Philosopher's Walk in Heidelberg. It is a, uh, it's like a walkway, like trees and benches that has a nice view of the old town of the city and the university. It is called the Philosopher's Walk because it is famous for many of Heidelberg's famous philosophers from centuries upon centuries ago students professors alchemists just enjoying their daytime hours on the walk taking in air and thinking about things that philosophers and alchemists think about elsa's in awe dallas is you know just kind of looking around taking in the sights just feeling a little awkward but not trying to show it it's nice isn't it yeah, it's got nice uh, topiaries and stuff. I uh, I like the, um, yeah, it looks cool. And the driver parks nearby and opens the door for the two of you and gestures up a, like a stone staircase and says, uh, Mr. Strauss is waiting for you upstairs. He should be sitting at a bench, and this is where he leaves you. Thank you. Okay, bye. He nods respectfully to you and stays out by the car until both of you walk up the steps and out of sight. Um, Elsa's gonna overlook the old town. Yeah, it's a very nice view. I mean, I would would think Elsa had been up here in her mortal days, but at nighttime when the lights are on in the city and they're reflecting off of the river, it looks a little different. Mm. The Neckar River. That's the name of that river. Yeah, so Elsa remembers when she did take a walk here with uh, Gregory, and she kind of reminisces on that. Okay, and as you go up the stairs and you're looking around, you do see you both have met Werner before. He is sitting at a bench. He's holding on to a, a cane. He has the cane in front of him. He's looking out also enjoying the view of the city. There's very few mortals walking around. I mean, this is it is open to the public, and it is getting uh, past sunset and getting later, so people are hurrying around or taking one final evening stroll before going home. Um, nice to see you, sir. Uh, I don't know if you prefer professor or or sir or what the proper honorific is in this uh, situation. Hi, Vanna. Or that. He he stands up and nods to you both. And a little lesson about uh, German honorifics. So the Germans are very very uh, respectful of somebody's title. So I guess in German you're, you would refer to him as Herr Professor which means professor. Um, Elsa wants to start that over then. <laughs> or you just wave to him and say, Hi, Mona. I Yeah, if I had known that, I would be like, Hi, professor. That's okay. So he, like I said, he nods to you and he gestures for you two to join him on a walk. And Dallas does so, um, listening intently to what he has to say, because what he has to say keeps her alive. And that's what's important. Right, and so as you walk, well, and he starts with some small amount of pleasantries. Says, you know, I hope I trust that the night finds you well, and that you enjoyed your first Elysium. I'm sure it was very educational for the two of you. Extremely, yes. Thank you. Yeah, we met a lot of other vampires or kindred. Sorry. Yes, thank you. And it falls on me to give you a quick lesson on the six traditions that are observed by us. And this can probably help make some sense of the way you saw some interactions happen at Elysium. Uh, Thank you. I'm uh, eager to learn. And so he is, uh, he's making 
sure to give you this education when there are not any mortals in earshot. After you two, after you three walk for about maybe five to eight minutes, it's pretty clear. And so he kind of, he starts with his lessons. He says, so there are six traditions that all kindred must follow. And it is the cornerstone of our society. Uh, when it comes to beings such as us that every so often indulge in more of our darker urges, maybe against our own will, it's very important to have a very tight rule of law. And so we'll just go ahead and get started. So the first tradition, I believe that you two should be very familiar with this, is called the Masquerade. Yeah. And he he clears his throat and he assumes a tone of voice that Elsa being in school before you kind of get the feeling that he is going to quote something to you and he expects you to memorize this and so she's ready with her pen yes thou shall not reveal thy true nature to those not of the blood doing such shall renounce thy claims of blood and he looks at you Elsa and says in layman's terms it just means mortals cannot know we exist absolutely the masquerade is paramount to any one of us that violates it is executed. Any mortal that knows about us must die to protect our secret. In previous nights, we did not abide by the masquerade very much, and it led to what was known as the burning times during the Dark Ages. You mean when 40,000 people died? That kind of thing? Yes, the Inquisition. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. She's going to just write down in her book. <laughs> Elsa is like kind of shocked. She's like, so 40,000 mortals died. How many kindred died? It says it was not just the mortals that were caught up in the fires. Okay, Sam. That's a lesson for another day. The second tradition is the tremission of the domain. Thy domain is thine own concern. All others owe thee respect while in it. None may challenge thy word while in thy domain. If you have an area of the city that belongs to you, that has, that the prince has said is yours, you are free to do in the area whatever you wish. Inside your domain, your word is law. But remember that your domain is inside the larger domain of the prince. Yes, we are in charge at our club then, but we still need to be sure we are following the prince's rules uh, during that time. Yes. Yes, uh, your domain is your domain at the pleasure of the prince. Got it. The third tradition is the tradition of the progeny. Thou shalt only sire another with the permission of thine elder. If thou createst another without thine elder's leave, both thou and thy progeny shall be slain. You cannot create another of our kind without the permission of the prince. To do so would invite final death for you and whoever you sire. Well, I think we all know who's going to receive that. She kind of clears off into the distance. It is not my place to cast judgment, but it is unusual that the two of you were given permission by the prince to remain in the city. Well, I'm very grateful for that permission. I assume you are. It's just weird to that... The two of us were turned into the same night uh, by probably someone who didn't get permission from the prince. And Werner, he nods his head slightly. It's, it's more polite than just shrugging. <laughs> and, yep. and he continues on. Uh, the fourth tradition, the tradition of the accounting. Those thou create are thine own children. Until thy progeny shall be released, thou shalt command them in all things. Their sins are thine to endure. If you ever embrace another, you are in charge of them until they are released from your tutelage. Uh, And that can be a time when you decide is right and when you present them to the prince at Lysium. 
Until then, anything that your childer does, any violation of, of the traditions that they commit, the consequences will be visited upon your head. This is to teach you responsibility in who you choose to embrace. Is embracing other kindred a requirement? Oh, by no means. Some of us have never embraced at all. And usually the... the Does that make sense? Permission to create progeny is granted as a boon by the prince for some great favor done. So it's not something that is given out lightly. Understand. Yes, it is the prince's responsibility to make sure that the city is not overpopulated by our kind, or we will have lots of fights over resources. The fifth tradition is the tradition of hospitality. Honor one another's domain. When thou comest to a foreign city, thou shalt present thyself to the one who ruleth there. Without the word of acceptance, thou art nothing. If you find yourself in a foreign city, it is your responsibility to present yourself to the prince of that city and make yourself known. Also, some take this, uh, interpret this in a way that if another kindred enters your domain, that they should honor and respect you while in it. Okay. And now we come to the sixth tradition, the tradition of destruction. Thou art forbidden to destroy another of thy kind. The right of destruction belongeth only to thine elder. Only the eldest among thee shall call the blood hunt. Now, traditionally, we take this to mean that only the prince can declare that another kindred is deserving of final death. And when this is done, it is called the blood hunt. That means that that particular kindred's life or unlife, as it were, are forfeit, and any kindred in the city is expected to destroy them on sight, as is any kindred who gives that hunted individual uh, comfort, shelter, or succor. Is that kind of what's going on with this white thing? You could think of it that way. Um, it's A white is more or less like a dangerous animal that must you put down. It's not, if you want to think about it, the very existence of a white is a violation of the masquerade because they are not circumspect. They cannot be discreet. Ah. And they will, they will feed and destroy until they're discovered. Okay. Okay. I can understand that. And that's the six traditions. Uh, I have, he, he looks at, he pulls out a pocket watch and looks at it and he says, I have, some time remaining with you. If you have any questions for me, I can answer if I can. How long has it been since you've been to the university? He he gets that faraway look in his eye, like somebody that's you know going through his past memories, and he says, "Oh, well, the last time I was in the university itself was." I would say about a century ago. I don't go back there as much so often. It's He looks over at the university in the distance and says, it's more the domain of the Tremere nowadays. Who has the Tremere? And Elsa's ready to like write it down. <laughs> the clan Tremere, the, that would be the, the prince and her brood. Uh, Reinhardt, the Tremere primogen, Aisley, and Leon. Well, if you ever want a puck from there, I can always bring you one. Well, I have ghouls that can do that for me, but I appreciate the offer, young lady. Thank you. You're welcome. My business with the university has long been concluded, though, so I have no real desire to enter the halls again. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking your time to, out of this evening to uh, enlighten us and educate us. You're very welcome. And I do hope that the two of you adjust to your, our condition well. And Elsa, I do plan on providing more education for you is a lot of, a long and interesting history that belongs to our clan. And it's important that all of us know it. Certainly, I, I hope to learn from you as uh, as you 
Uh, my new teacher. And I hope that I can be a worthy teacher to you. And he looks at his pocket watch one more time and he closes it, puts it in his little vest pocket. And he nods to the two of you again and says, ladies, I must take my leave. Thank you, Herr Professor. Good knock. Good knock. And he walks off into the darkness. That was certainly enlightening. It was. And um, Elsa's just going to go to a park near a park bench and sit down and start writing down some more stuff and uh, start writing, maybe write down some plans for the lounge or whatnot. Okay. And so I guess you could collect yourselves for a little bit of time uh, at, let's see, Dallas, what are you doing? Dallas is kind of just exploring a little bit um, while uh, Elsa is writing in her notebook. She kind of gets up and she starts walking towards some of the different uh, statuaries and topiaries and kind of starts. She's a little peckish, so she's like, hmm, I wonder if there's like a little rat or something. I can take a snack. And she's just kind of poking around. Not a whole lot of luck here. It looks like this area is well kept. And there's, eh, they probably leave traps out for the vermin out here. All right, and Dallas, as you are poking around in the underbrush and the trees, uh, Leon steps out in front of you. Jesus Christ, Leon. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. I was just. I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining Dallas like on her knee, hands and knees, and then all of a sudden she grabs a shoe and it's Leon. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to scare you. Uh, could, can you let go of my shoe, please? Sorry. Here, I was looking for a snack, and obviously your shoe's not a snack, so sorry. Elsa uh, catches this and starts laughing. So I, he looks out in the distance to me. Guess, obviously making sure that Werner is long out of earshot and says, so I'm not exactly allowed to do this, but I figured if you two are going to take on a white by yourselves, you need to be prepared. Uh, that's appreciated. Greatly. Thank you. Follow me to my car. We're going to go somewhere and I have some things in my trunk. Oh, and then she starts putting her stuff away and then follows Leon. All right, so you go back down to his car. You go down another set of uh, stairs and get to Leon's car, and you get in, and he drives you down the road past Old Town, kind of out in the, the forested area. And as you get a little bit away from the city, he turns off, you know, like onto those um, those turnabouts that you usually see on the sides of roads on for- in forests, and he stops the car. And he shuts off the engine, and he looks at you two and says, uh, does either one of you know how to fight? Yes. Yes, I do. With anything other than your fist? Yes. Good. Because our kind needs to be, well, fists aren't going to cut it. So let me, you know what? He, he uh, reaches under the seat and pops the trunk and says, just step out. Meet me in the back of the car. Okay. Uh, uh. Elsa says, that's a nine for me. Yeah, Leon looks over at Elsa and says, I, I wouldn't have guessed. Well, no lie, like a pleasant to learn. And then she gets out. It, yeah, it's a, a secret well hidden. Oh, <laughs> snorts. So he opens up the trunk, and in there, it's you see various uh, sharp weapons. There's machetes, there's knives, there's like the bigger... Kind of even Bowie knives, uh, Dallas, that, you know, find in the States. Ooh, Dallas makes happy noises as she starts rummaging. Elsa, Elsa's going to grab that machete and starts looking at it. She's like, oh, so pretty. Uh, Leon takes a step back a little bit and says, Elsa, do you know how to use that? Not really. And then she goes over to a tree and starts whacking at it. She starts whacking at it with the, like, <laughs> oh, she's going to lose a finger. Like they do in the movies? Like they do in the movies. And then she's like, yeah. And she tries to make, like, an S. <laughs> Leon 
leans over to you, Dallas, and says, well, if she cuts off a finger, it'll grow back in a few nights. That's handy. Yeah. Uh, do you want to help your friend with that? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm imagining there's, uh, she hasn't learned a whole lot from all those library fights uh, that happen in the stacks. Can you throw us this thing? And then she's going to, no, God, don't. She's going to throw it at another tree. <laughs> Not that one. It goes wide and lands in the underbrush somewhere. Oh, uh, I guess you can't. Oh, Vav, um, she's going to go start looking for it. Save me, Leon. Save me from this. Um, I'm not quite sure how to begin to help you, but you should at least teach her how to hold a machete and not to throw it. Yeah, okay. Dallas is going to take a little bit of time to adjust her grip. Okay, now you you put your fingers here and you want to move your hand up higher. I would say choke up, but I don't think that that necessarily translates well to German idioms. So move your hand up a little bit higher so you have more control. Um, It's not a steak knife. You're not trying to cut a steak here. You want to keep it pointed away from you, not for throwing. I'm imagining Dallas is like having to like move out of the way of the machete as Elsa is playing around with the grip while she's telling her this. Yes. There's a lot more to it than just stab it with the pointy end. I promise. Yes, especially especially because a machete is not a stabbing implement and it's more of a chopping blade. You're going to chop wood. You're not going to stab a steak. She's, she's listening to Dallas like she's trying to listen to Dallas. Like, she's, she's just thinking this is, like, hilarious, though. I think I'm as prepared as I can make you. And she's like, okay. Yeah, I think you got to the point where at least uh, Elsa can hold a machete and look like she knows how to use it. That's better than nothing. That's a little better. Yeah. Uh, she's going to try and slice a, chop a branch off. Like, a the one that looks like it could be choppable. Okay. And Leon, yeah, Leon helps a little bit too, like gives you pointers like on, you know, like how to flick your wrist in the right way. And it's, you know, chopping things gets a little bit easier when you're using the weight of the blade appropriately. But for the most part, uh, Elsa, this is going to be tough for you to use this in a fight if you were under stress, but it's a good start. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and after the lessons with Elsa go the way that they go, uh, Leon hands another machete to Dallas and said, you said you know how to use one? Yes. All right, well. And she'll demonstrate proper technique for uh, different fights, having trained with her dad and in the um, ring for different styles of fighting and such. And also having been in a few street fights. All right, so... Which she leaves out. <laughs> yes, most street fights don't involve machetes, unless... But... No, but blades of different sorts, perhaps. Right. So, Dallas, you know, moves the, the machete around in the air deftly, and she's no slouch. She's by no means a blade expert, but she had, it looks like she has had to use one of these before. Ooh. So how did your dad teach you? He didn't. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, how many weapons do you know how to use without his supervision? Bladed or otherwise? I saw all. Uh, brass knuckles, bow staffs, uh, my fists are usually handy in a pinch. Um... I did a brief stint on a fencing team in high school, but he knew about that one. Um, and yeah, just generic use of knives in general. It's fair to me that the army father would not want his daughter to know about weapons and fighting. He was very keen on self-defense. Right. True. You can use a weapon in self-defense. But whatever. Okay, so Elsa is kind of like a new bat of machete. And then she kind of like sees a dagger in there too. She's like, ooh, and she picks it up. <laughs> can you use <throw> this one? 
That one you can throw, yes, but d- 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 not without training. <laughs> Elsa doesn't throw it. She just kind of looks at her. Yep, worst case scenario, if you are grabbed, you can use this to punch a hole in whatever's grabbing you. Mm. All right, so did you two have any idea about when you were going to do this or where to go? Um, I had heard some rumors when I was hiking about a place that we were advised not to go because of some strange disappearances. Uh, I thought we'd start there. So I'm kind of um, a little off. Where, what area was that? Is this like what the, where the mortals say not to go? Yeah, it's down by the riverbank. Um, in kind of this, uh, just slightly off the path area. You wanted to do this tonight? like to get it over with. We barely know what we're going up against, don't you think? I don't know that you're going to be any more prepared with that tomorrow than you are right now. Well... We can still do a little bit of research on our whites. Well, what have you already been told about whites? Animalistic. No humanity left. They're dangerous. They are... Uh, a threat to the masquerade because they have no sense of being able to uh, control themselves or be uh, subtle about what they're doing. Right. Uh, this, um, this is not meant to be an offensive question, but this is important. Uh, have either of you got to experience being ridden by the beast, where the beast seizes control of you? Maybe once or twice. Uh, Elsa doesn't know if she should be honest or not. She's like, yeah, a little bit, but uh, it's fine now. Right, it's fine now because you had enough humanity left to, to force the beast back into its cage, so to speak. But a white has lost that. Um, a white is like that 24-7. That's a no thank you. Right, and they're extremely dangerous to have around. Not, well, uh, obviously, yes, for the mortal population because they need to feed, but any white in our area could cause mortals to investigate. They find something, they oh, it's a vampire, then they start looking through the whole city for us, and that's not good. And Inquisition all over again. Are there people like that here in Germany? Like, I just thought that's... Before we became kindreds that, you know, vampires and vampire hunters were, like, stories and all that. Yes, and the mortals here still believe that, but if they were to find out about the existence of this white and witness it for themselves, you can't really rationalize that as a fairy tale when it's in front of you. Okay. So in order... So in order to prevent this thing being captured and studied by the mortals, we have to... Well... It's on you two to destroy it. Why do you think the prince would make us do this, Dallas? Honestly? It means to an end. Either prove we're useful or we're going to die and then we're not an issue anymore. Leon refrains from comment. Yeah, that's one way to put it. So, and then Elsa's going to take her, her notebook out again and start writing down like all the things that a white is. It's dangerous, animalistic, can't be known by humans. Just because she's letting us live right now doesn't mean that she wouldn't hesitate to put us down if we aren't useful. Well, just remember the traditions. Elsa has a lot of thinking, hard thinking about that, and then she just kind of refrains from commenting about that. And Dallas, Dallas will lock eyes with Leon like, you, you know I'm not wrong, but won't say anything. It's not my place to say anything. Okay, and so Leon says, so you have an idea where a dangerous place is. Mm -hmm. Is it outside of the city? And he he gives you some, like an an area that seems to match up with the place that you were told about. Because that's where there's been a few reports of mortal disappearances lately. Yeah. Okay. So Leon offers to take you as far as he can get the car out and pull over to the side of the road and let you two ladies out to search that area for the white, if you're willing to allow him to do that. 
Sounds great. Thanks. And should we give you a call afterwards to let you know it's done, or what would you prefer? He said, so, if you survive tonight, call me tomorrow. And he hands, Elsa, he hands you a phone number and says, so that, call that number, ask for me. They'll come get me. Uh, Also, not a word of me helping you with this. I can. If we survive, Leon. Well, a white is not, it's not child's play. You'll, yes, absolutely. Uh, You weren't here, actually. I don't know who you are. Uh, Do your best. Watch each other's back. Habenschweine, good luck. Thanks. We descend. Yeah, you two get out of the car. He drives off. You are there in the woods with a couple of machetes surrounded by darkness. Okay, I'm going to turn my eyes on. You want to stay close? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, she, Excellent. She looks down at her shoes and their red velvet. And they're cute. And... She, she starts whining. She's like, ah. You want to go barefoot? Put them in your backpack? I mean... Yeah, I guess. Shice. And then she starts taking off her shoes and... You know, combat boots are a good look with the whole goth thing. We should get you a pair. I'm sorry. What kind of crack are you smoking right now? The best kind. <laughs> In what world? And then she's so offended, she just stuffs her shoes in the bag and sips it up and... It's an American. I don't know. Grips Dallas's hand. Yeah. Just keep walking. Yes, ma'am. Alright, so uh, Dallas activates Eyes of the Beast and starts walking into the woods. You can see everything as bright as if it was day and Elsa I'm guessing you're either have a hand on Dallas or Dallas is holding your hand uh, to help guide you through the woods I'm holding holding on to Dallas okay you're holding on to Dallas and let's see so Dallas and and here's the part where we get to the semi-scripted part because when we originally recorded this we did a lot of dice rolls and finding things and fighting, but we just remembered the results, so we're just going to go ahead and freeform it in a bit. So, Dallas, you are in the darkness. You're looking for your quarry. You're searching, you're searching, and you're getting kind of frustrated because it doesn't feel like you're having much success, but then, all of a sudden, your perception shifts, and you are... You become the hunt. You remember this feeling. You're, you, you know, the the human-ish part of you falls asleep a little bit as the more animalistic side of your nature comes out. Your gangrel blood comes up to the fore, and you are searching the woods with predator eyes. Imagine there's this kind of low rumble in her chest as she's kind of growls a little bit as she's stalking. Elsa, yeah, Elsa kind of looks at her. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> there is no Dallas, only Zool. <laughs> uh, and Dallas can only give one word responses. Zool. <laughs> Woods. 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 Okay. And so, Elsa, you do notice that Dallas does, you know, her mannerisms become more animalistic. She's more hunched over now. She's sniffing at the air. She's looking around, like uh, her her head's darting around, looking, searching the area, anticipating. Oh, shit, not again. Okay. Oh, but what do we do? She's whispering. She's hunched over with Dallas. Dallas is not you're not entirely certain she's paying attention to you right now she's more focused on the hunt and then suddenly Dallas just stops short and Elsa you kind of bump into her because she stops so suddenly and Dallas you see on the banks of the river Necker uh, you see a it looks like a body of a, a hiker 
sprawled out uh, in the in the mud, kind of with a, a little wetness from the water. And over him is hunched this form, and it looks like well, it definitely looks like somebody is drinking blood from this corpse. And the 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 and jeez, start over, Chad. And the form that's drinking from the corpse stops as uh, Dallas, as you you step on a, a dry branch or something, and it breaks, and it looks up at you, and you see looks like a 12 year old boy like wearing almost like rag type clothing the clothing that's been wearing for quite a long time and in not the best conditions and he looks up at you with his mouth all covered in gore and fangs out and he looks and he sees you and he bears his fangs and hisses right at you and she bears her fangs and hisses right back <laughs> oh yeah we got a vampire fight now Elsa's just kind of startled. She's like, oh, what the fuck? And Dallas is hissing at a 12-year-old boy who's hissing back. Are we cats or are we kindred? Doesn't matter. Same difference. <laughs> um, and Dallas lets go of Elsa's hand. Right. And just in time, because this 12-year-old comes running at you with great speed and slams right into you, Dallas and hits you with such force that you go flying backwards and your back slams right into a tree. Mm. Elsa, so this thing just rushes up and slaps Dallas out of the way, and so now you're standing in front of it, and it just hisses at you. And I yell at it, and I drop my backpack. I'm like, let's go, motherfucker! All right, and you swing at it with your machete, but it manages to slap it right out of your hands and it, it spins end over end and embeds itself right into a tree. I guess you can throw these things. I, I guess you can throw these things. Fuck. All right. Um, Dallas. There's a growl from Dallas uh, ter- turning into a roar as she launches herself um off of the tree from a crouching position uh, trying to basically jump on this uh, white uh, in an attempt to stop it from getting at Elsa. Just going for a full body slam. Alright. And so da- okay, Dallas comes loping out of the darkness on all fours and then just jumps up and tries to slam into it with all of her weight and hits the white and it's like hitting a brick wall like he's unyielding and he backhands you so hard you go sliding in the dirt and you slide a couple of feet alright Elsa are you going to try to hit it I'm going to try and get that machete out of the tree alright so you run over to the machete and you pull it, it you have to yank on it a couple of times but you manage to free it from the tree uh, the white is coming at you. What are you going to do? I'm going to dodge out of the way first and then try and take a slash at it. Okay. So you dodge its punch. You go to slash at it. It dodges your slash and then it, it grabs your arm, your machete arm, and then flings you backwards and you go flying into a tree. Uh. Your dress is now muddy. Ah! Uh. And Elsa just starts glaring at the fucking white now, and she's pissed. And, yeah, um, she's going to try and get back up on her feet. Dallas is completely forgotten about the machete at this point. It's just all hands and teeth trying to get at this thing in just complete animalistic anger. Right. And so you you try to grab at it again because, you know, you're not using the machete. You're trying to use your what you have available to you, your hands, your your teeth. So you jump up and you grapple with it and you actually manage to, to get a good hold on it this time and hold it in place. And Elsa, you, you you dust yourself off, you get up, you grab your machete, you see there's the white being held in place by Dallas. You're going to take your shot? Yeah, I'm going to try and um, run and 
and I can't really pounce on it because Dallas is already on its back, but yeah, I'm gonna try and swing at it or stab it or whatever. Okay, so you come running at him and you go to try to swing at it, but the white manages to, to wiggle a little bit, get a little bit more play in Dallas's grip and bears up with its knees and kicks you down, uh, Elsa kicks you in the chest with both feet and oh. knocks you backwards into another tree. Oh, fuck. And at this point, Dallas and the white are kind of struggling back and forth with the grappling and Dallas actually manages to get in a full-on headbutt on the white. The white gets more angry and just snarls at you. Dallas is trying to dig her fingernails into the white to get better uh, a better grip. Okay, and he manages to, to punch you so hard you go sliding back again. So both of you are, are taking a lot of damage. Like uh, The blows that you two uh, are taking tonight would have killed a mortal about three times over, but you two are just super resilient. Dallas even more so because you do have the discipline of fortitude, so you're extra tough. Yeah, and she's soaking as much of that damage as she can. Right, and at this point, uh, Dallas, you, you're just so frustrated. You're you're getting punched. You're you're trying to claw at this thing, and you're just frustrated. The the beast is your blood is clouding your your thinking. All you want to do is hurt this thing, and the next thing you know, it's like you have an overwhelming sensation of itching in your fingertips, and you look down at your hands and on each fingertip is a one inch long talon. You just grew claws. Yes! And that's that's Dallas's one word reaction. Great. Gonna get you now. All right, so at this point, Dallas, you go charging back at the white. She's, she's like, oh, I got you now. All right, so you go running at the, at the white and instead of trying to body check him, you rake your claws over his abdomen, and it's it's a lot like like a hot knife through butter. Like you cut through its undead flesh like it's hardly anything, and it it screams in pain and agony and rage and frustration. And it turns and it starts to run away from Dallas because she hurt her a lot and it's running straight for you Elsa as you are recovering from being slammed into another tree uh Elsa's gonna actually stand her ground this time holding a machete and be like ah! and then yelling at it again it yells back at you and uh slaps the machete so hard it breaks it in half what ah okay yeah, this guy's tough. Um, and and uh, so that's you. Dallas is chasing the white with her claws out. Yep, I'm going to do a full little tackle grab and just try and <laughs> clinch it as much as I can. All right. And uh, Dallas, you run after the white. You claw at its leg. It falls down, and then you just kind of claw at it a couple of more times, opening up more wounds in the white. And the, the white manages to push you off of him. Like, you you go up about maybe 10 feet up in the air. The white rolls out from under you, and you slam back down on all fours and just growl like an animal at this white as he starts running towards the river to safety. Elsa doesn't know what to do, um, except for one thing that she knows that she's really good at, and uh, she's going to start singing at it, which is, she's going to start singing this really old German lullaby. Okay. So out of the lack of anything else that Elsa thinks she can do, she starts singing this German lullaby I guess, hoping to distract this and you activate your presence. So you're channeling your singing through your, your supernatural charisma and attraction. And you sing this German lullaby. You sing it with such, such force and such, such talent that the white actually 
kind of comes to a halt before it gets into the river. It turns and it looks at you with this almost bewildered expression on its face. This is almost like the first time you see like the slightest flash of intelligence in its eyes. And it looks at you and it says, Mama? And then Dallas comes rushing up behind him and just with both hands just rakes up its spine and fillets it wide open as the white collapses to the ground and decays quickly into dust. Elsa just kind of watches it, thinks, thinks that's interesting, and then she wants to write it down, and then she doesn't know where her fucking backpack is. You, you find it hanging from some low branches of a tree that you were, you, one of the trees you were thrown into. Yeah, so she comes back and she starts writing down, like, White turns into dust after they die. White has a little bit of a uh, intelligence or something. And Dallas, you you start to come back to your your higher senses as the you know your enemy is defeated and you are victorious. And now you have claws. Okay, this is cool. That was gross. Uh, not fun. And we need to deal with that. And she points over at the hiker's body. Um, but El- Elsa's pointing at her claws. I was like, where did those come from? Don't know. Got really upset. And suddenly they were here. Uh, I don't know if they're going to disappear or not. So we'll just be real careful with those. As you relax and you kind of, you know, say, well, you try to will them away. They do re- re- they do retract back into your hands, and you have normal fingernails again. Elsa writes that down. <laughs> All right, well, better make sure that I control those during other times, because that would be not fun. Elsa's writing down, gang girl can't grow claws. And then she, she draws like a little kitty claw next to it. So are you doing anything with the hiker's body? Yeah, um, Dallas is going to start trying to gather some heavy rocks to sink it into the river to avoid any sort of uh, detection. I'm going to look for a license or what, or something of identification. Right, yeah, you do manage to find some ID uh, in his pocket. He was jogging, so literally all he has is his ID and a house key with him as Dallas is loading up his pockets and I guess his boxer shorts or his jogging shorts with rocks and weigh them down so he can sink to the bottom of the river. Okay. All right. Uh, Elsa's going to help her with that. Um, and just throw him in there. All right. Are you going to do anything special with the ID or just hold on to it for now? I'm just going to look at the name. Is he is he a German person? Is he American? Is he Italian? Like, no, he's he's German and lives in Heidelberg. He was just jogging in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, and then she throws the the card in the river. All right, and so at this point you have actually managed to fulfill your duty to the prince. You have killed the white, uh, and you are. Both a little hungry. Uh, Elsa, you are very hungry. After that fight took a lot out of you, you had been trying to boost up your strength, and the beast has made itself known to you in no uncertain terms that it needs blood and it needs it soon. Dallas will go off and go hunting for some deer as soon as she gets uh, Elsa back to a main road. Elsa, Dallas leads you back to the main road before turning around and going to hunt some deer. I guess with the expectation that, well, you don't have a car, so I guess you're walking back to Heidelberg in a muddy dress and barefoot. She starts whining again. <laughs> I'm going to go get food. You you go get your food, but uh, I'm... Um, she wants... I want to, but look at my dress. Look at it. It's blue satin. Go to Heidi's. No one will care. Uh, no. Nine. Uh, I guess, uh, Dallas, 
shouts that over her shoulder as she's disappearing into the woods. And so Elsa, you need you need two things. You need to clean up and you need blood. What do you do? Yeah, I'm gonna go clean up. I'm gonna go clean up I guess back at the lounge or something and then go out and try and find something to eat. All right. So walking back to the club from here, it's a few hours walk. But since you are undead, it's not like you get exhausted like mortals do. Um, You don't even get blisters. It's just a long, monotonous slog in a muddy dress on the streets, walking through Heidelberg, hoping nobody sees you. No, especially not in this dress. So we stick to the back alleys and stuff so nobody can see you be all muddy. Then you manage to get into the club, clean up, change your clothes, and now you need blood. Into a green satin dress, and then I go to try and find the closest bar lounge that's around me. Okay, so the closest club to you, uh, you know, location is important. If you're trying to create a goth club, you don't want to be too close to the other goth clubs. But the closest club here is Heidi's, the local punk club that Dallas likes so much. Uh, Elsa rolls her eyes, and it's the loudest eye roll that even Dallas in the woods could hear it. And um, she looks at the fucking neon sign if or the wooden Heidi sign. Whatever sign it's made out of, she just sighs. And then she walks in. All right, so you go walking in, and the door opens, and there is you know, loud punk music playing from inside. From the some of it from the states, you know, Black Flag, Rollins Club, good stuff. And as you walk in, you see like people dressed up, various levels of punk. You know, you get like the big mohawks, the, the studded denim jackets to you know collars with spikes and everything on it and multicolored whatever and as you're walking in a lot of people just kind of stop and they they look at you because you being a scene queen you are more famous in the goth subculture but you are disliked by other subcultures so people are watching you walk in and you see a couple of guys like they they elbow their friend next to them and they gesture over at you and people are whispering and laughing at your expense glaring at a few people and i'm trying to find the one that looks the most handsome and the most goth to me one that looks super goth that doesn't that doesn't belong here <laughs> oh okay so you after a little while of looking around you, you find somebody who's i guess whose hair is dark enough and his skin is pale enough to kind of yeah, he'll do. And you manage to go over to him and talk to him, throw a little little seduction, maybe turn on the presence a little bit, and he falls for your, your wiles in short order, and you take him to a dark corner of the club and slake some hunger slake some hunger. Yep, cut cut that hunger off. That's enough. Yeah. Right. You drink from him until he falls unconscious, but not to the point of death, just to the point of maybe waking up feeling like he may have had too much to drink. And then you get up, you wipe your mouth because you're a lady and you start to. No, I take I grab a napkin and I start papping my uh, my mouth. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you're, you're dabbing at the, the corners of your, your mouth as you're looking around at the club some more. It looks like the people that were amused by your presence have kind of moved on to better things. As you're looking around, you look over at the pool tables and her clothes and, and hair is a little bit different, but is, is that Lena over there playing pool from Elysium? Lena? All right, so you go walking over to the pool table and you, you say, Lena? And if if this was a less serious podcast, this would be the point where we put in like the sound of a record scratch and the music stopping as everybody stops and looks at you in shock. But this is a more serious podcast. So what happens is you say Lena and the woman at the pool table, she stops, she stands up. The guy she's playing pool with gets this look on his face like, uh oh, the woman who looks like Lena looks at you and says, the fuck did you call me? 
You you must not be Lena. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna go. Well, she uh, well, just to describe her, so she does. I mean, she looks exactly like Lena, but she looks like Lena dressed in more punk clothes, with one side of her head shaved, like same color hair, same color eyes, same features, everything. And so you turn and you start to go, and the woman that you just insulted turns like, no, 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 no. Come back here, Missy. Come back here. <laughs> I, uh, uh. I want to know the fuck you just called me. And the guy, the man that she was playing pool with, who's in, you know, he's like anarchy patches all over his denim jacket and torn up jeans and spiked up hair. Not super long hair, but it is, it's very spiky. And he looks at the woman and looks over at you and says, I would apologize if I were you. Yeah, that seems to be an order. Um, I apologize, but I would like to introduce myself. Um, my name is Elsa Kruger, and I mistook you for someone else, but I was just here to regain some refreshing up, have a snack. Uh, I'm, I'm. So she's she's looking you up and down appraisingly, and says, "Are you one of the new baby fangs in town?" Elsa wants to say something about that nickname, but she holds her tongue, and yeah, I was recently found by Sir Camarilla. Uh, I and at this point the two of them they just kind of look at each other and have a, a sharp intake of air and the woman puts her hand up and says look just mm. I I am so sorry I didn't mean to call you that What's, what is your name first of all number one trying to tell you something baby fang so shut up second of all don't you ever ever call me my sister's name again all right, you call me Joe, or you run away from me. Those are the rules. Third of all, I don't want to hear you talk about the motherfucking Camarilla up here in my bar. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Joe. And from the smell of you know, from the smell of you, you've been feeding in here too. Is are you lost? Are you lost, little girl? Because you don't look like you're you're dressed. You're quite you're quite up to the dress code at this place. I start clearing at her. I was like, I just got done fighting a fight. Excuse me for being a little hungry, and I would like her to apologize for calling you the wrong name. I would like to leave now, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, uh, the the man that's with her is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You fought a white? Yes, and it was in the shape of a 12-year-old boy, if you don't, if you want any more information. What were you doing fighting a white? Those things are dangerous. Because the... Because the prince asked us to. And Joe nods and says, of course. Of course the fascist assholes in this town making you do the dirty work for them. I'd say it's more of a mercy. Look, look. Look, kiddo. I'm going to give you a freebie here. You can't trust the Camarilla... They're going to use you and abuse you and, and use you up until there's no more use for you. All right? You're better off being free like us. Yeah, we've been thinking about that. Yeah? Well, you know what? If you you want to talk some more about it, we're usually here most nights. You know, if you can come in here, show some respect... Maybe we can talk a little bit more. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And again... There was another one of you, wasn't there? Yeah, she's currently not here. She's uh, having a snack out in the woods somewhere. All right, so it's probably better for her to come too so we can kind of tell you both the real things that are going on in the city. You be sure you tell her the rules first too, okay? Uh, photo source again? 
don't you fucking talk about my sister and don't you bring any of that Camarilla bullshit into my bar. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with sincerity, I apologize again. Names seem to be very sensitive in the kindred world. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, well, you didn't know any better, Baby Fang. Yeah, I... I'm going to go now. It's been a long night. All right. We'll have fun reapplying your mascara or whatever. I will. And then she, she walks out. Hi, everyone. It is your RPG mom, Tessa. I'm just popping in really quickly to let you know about our sponsor, the amazingly wonderful Die Hard Dice. Right now, we have a very special coupon with them. If you are interested in getting a set of your very own Die Hard Dice, which are incredible metal and polymer sets, as well as dice accessories like rolling trays and things like that, you should definitely head over to dieharddice.com and use the coupon code FANGANG, F-A-N-G-A-N-G, for 15% off your first order with Die Hard Dice. They are an incredible company. Secondly, if you are heading to WonderCon, I will be there. Uh, Chad might be there. And we will be doing a Nerdsmith meetup on Saturday night. And then you'll also have an opportunity to win some of those amazing dice from Die Hard Dice. We really hope to see you there. And as always, if you like what we do, Please consider supporting us at nerdsmith.org. Uh, go to nerdsmith.org slash donate and find out how you can help support In Vain Podcast and how you can help us create more. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you in two weeks. And as always, we are a proud member of the Nerdsmith Network. Stay hungry. Monsters. Savages. Abominations. 80 years ago. The great kingdoms of the land above drove all monstrous creatures from their domain and claimed the surface of the world for themselves. Those that escaped the slaughter were driven deep underground, banished forever into the lightless reaches of the dark below. In this endless labyrinth of stone tunnels and caverns, their descendants still fight to survive. And she's going to pretend that she's a fan of this dragon. She's going to be, she's going to say, um, Oh my gosh, I have heard of you before. And I am just so happy that you're actually real. And we actually found you. We've been looking for you. that's flattering. I look at Oneron, salute, and then go back into the shadows. Yeah, sure, make it look so easy. <laughs> she gets angry and she just finds Dyer and just tries to like attack them with it. One of this creature's massive clawed hands grabs hold of your wrist. The cub yet has strength. Come explore a world where sunlight is a myth and monsters may become heroes. Discover new episodes of The Land Above every Monday on nerdsmith.org, Podbean, or wherever you download podcasts. A proud member of the Nerdsmith Network.